Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Welcome to those of you who are visiting with us uh, for the first time or back again, whatever it may be. Um, we are finishing up in the next couple weeks, um, if you all will pull up my slides there, um, our series, Not Just Human, which we've been in for several weeks now. We've been going through Romans 6, 7, and 8, and we're going to wrap this up in a couple weeks, but i uh, I got to spend a couple more weeks because we're in chapter 8 of Romans. Um, anybody else, Romans chapter 8, a favorite chapter of anybody's? Uh, there's just so much glorious stuff in this one chapter that we're going to just spend a couple more weeks, I think, in in this chapter before we move on to our next uh, series for the summer. Um, So if you have your Bibles, if you will open up to chapter 8 of the book of Romans, there is a Bible underneath the seat in front of you. What I'm going to do this morning is a little different than normal. I, in looking at chapter 8, there's so much stuff here. of just wonder and greatness, I'm going to actually, we're going to preach this entire chapter this morning. We're going to go through and just get a big picture view of how great our God is and what He has done and just kind of highlight some of the major promises and blessings uh, as we go along in this chapter. This is, as Derek said, Pentecost Sunday. And some of you might say, what's that? And, uh, the Hebrew calendar, it moves around because the Hebrew calendar is on a lunar thing. We're on more of a Julian Roman kind of calendar basis. But every now and then, it, so the Pentecost lands, the feasts of Israel, right? Uh, Passover, Feast of Trumpets, all these uh, Sukkot, um, Pentecost. It's the 50 days after Jesus' resurrection that the Holy Spirit was poured out. It's the book of Acts. It is the beginning of the church. It's that historical event um, 40 days after Jesus uh, ascended, um, which would be 50 days to Pentecost after the upper room. And the Spirit of God was poured out. This is Acts chapter 2 upon the church. The promise of the Father, uh, the great work of redemption. Jesus says, better that I go back to the Father that uh, the Spirit, the Father might pour out right His promise upon the church. And today, the Hebrew calendar actually hits. Today is Pentecost. So it can be any more perfect with chapter 8 where we're at. And uh, this idea of what? What is this blessing of the Spirit of God? We've been wrestling in chapter 6 and 7 about um, what do we do with the law? What do we do with sin? What do we do in the spiritual life? This inner struggle that we have. Chapter 8 is where we resolve. Chapter 8 is where we want to get to this new life, this new way that God has called us into. This radical new birth, this radical new experience of life with Him by the Spirit of God. Uh, And so... Um, it ties perfect into Pentecost, right? In the sense, this is when the Spirit was poured out. And one of the main, I should say, characteristic of those who follow Jesus is that we're spirit people. We're the ones that, uh, when believing in the Spirit of in Jesus, as Lord and Savior, the promise of the Father is the Spirit of God would fill us. And it is by the Spirit now that we live life In His life, the life of God comes alive inside our soul. Um, So we're going to look at that um, this morning. And a lot of people say, well, we read this, and what does this life look like? Being led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. What is that all about? And so I'm going to give a a simple definition here, and we're going to see it come alive in this chapter this morning. 
But when the Spirit of God saves us, when we are born again, something radical happens. Our spirit is dead to God as we come into this world. Our spirit is not alive. It is dead. We're left just with self, our mind, emotion, and will trying to figure life out right on our own. Until there's a a point of repentance, a brokenness, a need for God, we look to Him and in His grace and His forgiveness, He comes to anyone, anywhere in the world who cries out right to God. And He brings, part of salvation is He brings the Spirit of God inside our soul, the Holy Spirit, that comes in fellowship with our spirit and awakens our spirit to life in Him. And now there's this ongoing fellowship, which we're going to read about, of our spirit with the Spirit of God. And that is to inform our mind, our thinking, our feelings, our emotion, and our will, our entire heart, our entire soul. It is a radical new way of living. And what we struggle with in chapters 6 and 7 is this battle between living from my flesh, myself, like the old man, the old way, versus now, how do I learn to lean into the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God inform a Again, my thinking and my, uh, my emotions, feelings, and my will, the decisions that I make. And so here it is. In simple language, um, we want to just talk about, look what God has done. Setting the mind on the Spirit is looking at what God has done, what He is doing, and what He is going to do. That is a solution to almost anything in life, folks. Just to bring it down, very simple. The spirit life. The life of following Jesus. This new life in Him. Could be summed up right here. Is that constantly looking at what He has done. What God has done in history for us. And specifically, right? Us as individuals. When we know Him. And then, it, but based on that, based on the Father sending the Son into history, um, it's what is He doing now? Right, look at what He's doing now. And then setting our heart and our mind on what the promises of what He still promises that He will do right in the future. And so it's these three things together um, really make up this radical new life in the Spirit of God. Focused on Him and no longer my own uh, just self, right? Of being consumed in my inner being. And, and, and chapter 8 is going to show us how to do this, right? But I just say simply this, is when things are tough. Number where we find our, our, ourselves in a situation, whatever it is, thinking and everything. Um, God's people, spirit people, spirit-filled people, this is to characterize them. Is a constant shifting of, look what God has done. And I can promise, many of you don't promise because God does, but I guarantee you, based on God's promise, because He's true to His promises, if in your life, in, in my life, no matter what is going on, no matter where I find myself, and we see this lived out over and over in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, we see the psalmists, you know, they say, Lord, why is all this stuff happening in the world? Why is all this happening? You know, on and on and on. And then they resolve always, but God, we will worship you. We have seen what you've done. You are good and you loving kindness. It will endure forever. Look what you've done. This is where the Spirit of God comes alive regardless of my circumstances. Faith says, I look to God. Look at the amazing thing He's done. And folks, here's a little insight. Is that realize for all eternity, there's one historical event that will be highlighted for all eternity. And that is the cross and the resurrection of our Lord. It changed everything. 
It reveals the incredible love and the plan of God. Nothing is more important in life or nothing will ever be more important in all of life than that and then the promise of His return to make all things right again. But when we're in the new heavens and the new earth with our Lord, right? Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And we see in the book of Revelation, there's this constant reminder of the one thing that we will be reminded of over and over because with it is the eternal blessings of eternal life is what Jesus has done for your soul. How much He loves you. How much He's come after you. And the grace of God that moves on right into all eternity. Look what He has done. And when I start to focus on that, it builds my faith, the Spirit comes alive, and then I start getting in tune with what the Father's will is now. What is God doing now? And I partner with Him, and I walk with, learn as the Scriptures to be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. I learn, right, to change, right, my, my, all of my inner being, right, focused on Him, and I move into the presence, uh, and to learn to be present with people, and present in situations that I would never be able to do before. And again, we just look to Jesus as the model for that. No one lived more present than Jesus did. Just read about it. He got the God of the universe and he engaged people. He was fully, every bit of his being was focused on that individual, his love, right, and his concern for that individual. And when you really look at our lives, we are distracted people, are we not? It is impossible to have your phone out if you're talking to someone and be fully present. Bottom line, no excuses, impossible, right? The idea that this person, when that's sitting there, and I defer to it at all, I'm basically saying this is more important than you. That's just one place to show. There's no way around that, folks. We've got to learn to be present. The only way you can do that is God's got to help us. Be in tune with Him first. And that moves us into this place of radical right presence. And in that presence place right, is where God moves by the power of the Spirit to do great things because it reveals to us. And in this situation... What he wants to do, right? What he wants to do, rather than what I want to do, my flesh. And um, so these are just a few little things as we get into this this morning. Um, Let me just say this. As I read this, and again, we're just going to go through and read it. And this was the sermon, right? Back when this was written, the church read the letter. This was the sermon that the church responded to in ministry to one another and to God. The magnitude of some of these promises, folks, should bring about a response of God's people. And so I'm just kind of giving you the freedom this morning that um, rejoice together this morning. It's okay to shout an amen, right? When you hear a promise of God. That's how God people... Matter of fact... It's a command among God's people to shout unto the Lord His greatness and His glory when the truth of His Word is lifted to us, right? And, and our heart resonates with, wow, Lord, look what you've done. And in this one chapter alone, we not only do you see what God has done based upon uh, the amazing work of uh, Jesus and the sending forth of the Spirit, but we see what He is doing and willing to do and we see some amazing promises, Right, for the future of what God is yet to do. All right? So you have freedom. Let's make this just all of us communing together uh, this morning with the Word of God and His great promises.
Sound good? All right, let's dive in. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for opportunity to be in your presence. Look for your word and your promises. Lord, look what you've done. We rejoice, Lord, in your word. Holy Spirit, come now. Let these words, let your living word pierce our hearts. Bring encouragement. Bring your power. Renew us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do I have an amen? Amen. You know the magnitude of that promise? No shame, no guilt. None of us could do anything to get rid of any of that. Before a perfect, holy, glorious God, we all, if you're in Christ, stand without any condemnation. What an amazing God. What an amazing gospel. Oh, but it just gets better. For the law of the Spirit of life. Now, I'm going to talk in detail about that in a couple weeks. The law of the Spirit of life. This is the law of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is the law. This is the covenant that the Trinity made to come save you, to save this world, to save me. This is the very heart of who God is. He's a God of life. And He wants children and to share that life, right, with others. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I hear him, Amen. You're free if you're in Christ from the law of sin. That should be mind-blowing. Now I have to learn how to use that law, how to put that into practice. He sets you from the law, free from the law of death. That should be beyond mind-blowing. That death cannot hold you. That He is life starting today. And that should radically change the context of how we walk, isn't it? Knowing that life is ahead of me, not behind me. The majority of life and promises ahead of you. Ahead of you. And it's just going to get better and better. And better. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. In other words, the law itself could not transform anybody or anything. God came and did that through His Spirit. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. He sent His Son for you to conquer the righteous penalty that needed to be taken place, right? To cover sin. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh any longer, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The things He's done. The things He's doing. And the things He will do. That's setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And remember in the context here of the Scripture, especially Romans, death mainly means separation from God. Out of union, communion with God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot. 
Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's no desire to please God. There's a desire to please the flesh and please the world. You, however, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, this this physical body is going to die, but the promise He's going to give us a new body for all eternity. The Spirit is alive in you because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus, the Father, from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells in you. It is through the Spirit that life comes to you. Not just talking about eternal life, but talking about life today, right now. What is He doing? He wants to infuse you right now, here today, with life, with a whole new perspective. And the way we define that life is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Life. Walking with Him. Seeing what He is seeing and doing. Being fully present wherever you are. Not worried about tomorrow. Not consumed by the things of life. But being so radically free as a child of God. That is an abundance that we live in. No, regardless of how bad, how tough things are around us. There is a life that rises above that. That God wants to instill in His children. Verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now we're going to get into this in the next couple weeks ahead, but here is the secret. Here is the key to life change. You can't do it. No amount of steps, no amount of of process, no amount of, of everything that the world throws your way will really transform your life. It must be by the power of the Spirit. And God has given you everything you need. The question for us to do is, how do I learn, Holy Spirit, to by you put to death this issue, this thinking, this habit, this addiction, this whatever in my life. I can't do it, God. You can He's given you the power. It's not yours, not mine. But He set the Spirit of God inside us. There's no darkness. There's nothing more powerful than that power to radically transform our life and our situation. We have to learn how to walk by the Spirit, how to lay hold of that power in fellowship with Him to see that change come. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now folks, well let me read on them. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Is that an experience you have inside your soul? I think there's no other more intimate, powerful spiritual language in all of Scripture that gives a clear picture of what it is to be a child of God to know that the Spirit of God is in you. It's the cry of Abba. Do you have that cry? In other words, it is the Holy Spirit, it's only the Holy Spirit inside your fellowshipping with your spirit that can cry upward as a child, Abba, Father. And to know that you, Jesus is the one who leads everyone to the Father and reveals the Father. 
To know that you're his child. To know that you can cry out very intimate language. Father, I'm your child. I'm in your hands. I'm under your watch. I'm under your care. You have life and inheritance and blessing for me. No, nothing we do. We obviously we got all kinds of identity confusion today. Nothing transforms. And, and folks, we got to get this right in the church. Nothing. You can't build unless the foundation of, of a life is built upon the assurance that I am his child. Abba. Without that, what we build is like going to be shaky ground. Right? To not get the real freedom. Not to get the real joy of what it is to be a child of God. This is the work of the Spirit of God. He comes in with our spirit and the fellowship. He is the one that we have to lean into. Lord, reveal. Jesus, reveal the Father. Holy Spirit, come and bring forth this cry. Remember Jesus says, no one comes to the Father. No one sees the kingdom of God. No one comes to the kingdom without what? Becoming like a child. Childlike faith. Abba. Abba. And folks, that should be the cry every morning. Father, another day. Your mercies are new. I'm under your care. I'm yours. And when I can rest in that, folks, every, it's amazing, right? Most of life and everything else can fade away. I can, we can walk through anything. Abba, you're with me. Abba, you're with me. Right? We'll talk more about that because it's so powerful. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then listen to this, heirs. Who's your father? What does he own? What can he give you? You ever think about that? When you cry, Abba, when he's transformed your life and you're a child of God, you are now heir. To who? To what inheritance? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, All of God's promises are yes in Jesus. They are yours. They are yours. And we spend so much stinking time, don't we, just setting our mind on the cares of the world and our inheritance, whatever it is, and think about all the inheritance battles there are and everything. Man! The spirit life is setting my mind on, Lord, you're my inheritance. You're my portion, as the Levite said. As David said, you're, you're, what else do I need to long for if you're mine? That's the heart where the spirit takes over. And nothing, no physical inheritance, nothing of the world even penetrates, even comes close. It's like, man, that shiny thing is really cool. But my gosh, let me tell you, let me tell you what I have. And if you walk around this town and it's awesome to see the houses and everything else, but man, a child of God, the Spirit should rise up naturally and just say, wait till you see my house though. Wait till you see him. Because what I stand by is the promises of God. John 14, Jesus says, if I know you, you're my siblings, you're my family. And to have faith is, I am preparing a place for you now. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then nothing, the best the world has to offer. And we're building the best simply because guess what? Man, I gotta build myself. I got I, I gotta I gotta have some security. I gotta build better, more barns. Fill them up. Wait till you see the house your Lord is preparing for you. That He welcomes you into. Well done, 
good and faithful servant that didn't get drug out, set your mind on the things of the world, but stood firm in faith, trusting me. Well done, child. Come into, what did you say in the parables? Into your master's joy. This is the joy of the Father pouring out to you an inheritance for all eternity. More adventure, more responsibility in this new, renewed earth. Wow. Is your mind setting on those things? The promises? Are you taking hold of these promises for you by faith? If you're a child of God, they're yours. And here's the more powerful thing is, you know what? There is a present promise now, not just then, that I can lay hold of even now. That's pretty awesome, huh? There's so much in here. Verse 18, look at this. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. This is what Paul's... Look at... Go to 2 Corinthians, read everything Paul went through. He's like, this is nothing. I don't need skin on my back. No big deal. I'm saying my mind, what is God? This is nothing. No matter what I'm... Why am I all whiny about my life circumstances? Paul's saying, get your mind off of your issues. Realize no suffering. No suffering. Nothing someone endures in this life. It can't touch what God has prepared for you. Wow, what a radical... Only the Spirit of God can do that, folks, inside a person, right? And Paul, no one's lived to experience what he was, right? Wow. Not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits, listen to this, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now folks, this right here is an unbelievable promise that the church is getting all screwed up about. The idea of creation and and saving the earth and having a right perspective on this. Folks, let me, we can unite with everything going on. We need to be good stewards of everything we have. Good stewards with this earth, absolutely. But that's not the focus. Listen carefully. I hate to kind of, but this world's passing away. It's passing away. No amount of human effort will save that. Here, listen carefully to this promise. For the creation was subjected to fertility, going back to Genesis, not willing, but because of him who subjected in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit of God. Let me read on. Um, But we uh, have the first fruits of the Spirit. Grown inwardly, we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, what is Paul saying here? There's a lot there. Folks, realize the first fruits of God's redemption, Him changing this earth, is not what's going to happen out there in the physical creation. It is fate groaning. And as we read in the Scriptures, it's going to really groan. And there's going to be some cleaning out, right, at some point. His work is inside the hearts of His of his children. The work, the first fruits is the renewal process begins. The first fruit of the spirits is God's renewal of all things begins with the hearts of people. Our priority is change hearts. Change hearts. 
and the creation itself, what God created all the way back in the beginning, it's groaning, right? Because its corruption, right, was, it was brought in because of the sin of mankind. That should be evident, right? Every bit of that, the destruction we see out there. So we can unite with this struggle with holding on to preserving and helping and stewarding this world. Yes, yes, in all of that, because we see the destruction of creation by man's sin. Whether it's war or go down the line of things or just consumerism, you name it, right? But our focus has to be changed hearts. Our efforts of stewarding this need to be good. But our hope has to be in the change. God and this creation, what it needs is a redeemed people. When Jesus returns and brings full redemption, He's going to renew this place so glorious and so wonderful and the renewal of that is this wonderful unity of creation, like all the way back to the beginning, except even better, right, of His children in unity with His creation. Lots there. Verse 24, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for, we, for who hopes for what He sees. Um, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In other words, hope is waiting on something. And this is the promise that we're waiting on. Likewise, the Spirit. Now look at how all through this chapter, the move of the Spirit, this new life of the Spirit, what the Spirit does inside us. And this is quite comforting. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Anybody amen to that? Do you ever just sit and just, it could be just some trauma, just something you're so overwhelmed with in your life or your others, whatever it may be, and just, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. And just be, say, but you do, Holy Spirit. You bring alive in me. You bring alive in me. The will of God, the the groanings, the, right, the, the prayer. And to know, we'll see in a minute, Jesus is at the right hand interceding for you. If you're a child of God, you have the Spirit of God, you have the Son of God who's praying for you, the will of God, right, over you. Amazing. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because this is the Father. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, here we go. And we know that for those who love God, all things, let me say it again, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Amen? You believe that? All things. Man. Talk about comfort in the sovereignty of God as a child of God with all the craziness going on in the world is to have this assurance, Lord. You are good, God. I'm not going to move from this. No matter what I see in this fallen world, even my life, you are good and your steadfast love, it endures forever and ever and ever. And I know, Lord, what you're working. And you're working it for good. Right? It says for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, we're getting to deep water here. What's behind that, that, that purpose, God's purpose? Listen to this. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew. Do you realize that God knew you before you were long before you were ever created. He knew you. He knew you. And He wanted to create you in His image to have fellowship with you. Wow. 
That foreknowledge is a very intimate word, folks. It goes beyond human comprehension. When we try to comprehend it, we get into theological problems. Especially with the next one. Those he foreknew, he predestined. That's God. It's not man. It's only what he can do. He's called you for his purpose. You've been on his mind. He has a wonderful purpose and plan for your life. To be what? Conformed to the image of his son. That's your father's desire. That you would be like his son. That you would be like Jesus. So that you and I could have fellowship with God for all eternity. And experience. This is a father who, if you're a father, you know you want your children to have blessing. You want to share with them. You want to walk with them. You want to right, pour out inheritance with, to them. And how much more our Heavenly Father? How much more right, our Heavenly Father? I have the incredible joy today to um, marry or do the wedding of our third daughter, McKenna. Last night after, amen, yeah. And, um, and folks, I, I, um, God is good. Don't ever give up praying for your child. Don't lower the standard of what you're praying for. And I just am grateful. It's not anything I have except the Lord, you're good. He raised up a godly man to take my daughter. Last night, just the imagery of her, we're talking and she got in the car with him and I got in my car alone. And the overwhelming thing to realize, Lord, this incredible stewardship It's an incredible gift to do everything to prepare that, Lord, may she walk with you, may she honor you, may you, God, bring all your inheritance and blessing upon her and to see her leave, right, with the one I'm handing her off to, right? And even today, it'll be even more profound as that covenant is made. But folks, do you realize that all creation is sacred, it's made by God, marriage We've got to, in the church, restore the sacredness of marriage. It is not something that culture can tinker with. It is God. It is His ordained, beautiful, sacred thing that He has created. And it is to be this unbelievable picture of two becoming one. Is that these aren't my children. These are the children that God blessed me with to steward and to raise up, to hand over, to come together. The father must leave, right? Be united, cleave to his wife, be one. This is a picture of what... God, Jesus, is doing the bridegroom with His church. Marriage is the most powerful imagery we have of, of what healthy society, community is. The core of that is healthy, God-fearing family. And that is how God blesses through all of history. And so no matter how broken it is, no matter how many problems there is, is the prayers God restore, you bring, you break the change, you bring health because you're a good God and you want to pour out your inheritance. Wow. Let's read on here. and um, We could be here. Uh, this chapter is unbelievable, right? Those He's predestined, He's called. Those He's called, He justified. Those He's justified, He will glorify. He's got a plan for you. To be conformed to a son. 
What then shall we say to these things, folks? What shall we say? Amen. We don't have words to say. But listen, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, if all these promises are for you, who can be against you? Why doubt His goodness, His promises? He who did not spare, listen to the heart of God, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us, how will He not also with Him Gracious, with Jesus, graciously give us all things. To me, that's one of the most radical promises in the world. The main hang-up that people have in following God is they start doubting His goodness. You doubt His goodness, you're stuck. You're stuck. Faith cannot grow, you're stuck. And that's the temptation of the enemy. And that's why trials come, that we have to strengthen our faith. Is even in the midst of something, I don't understand you, how hard it is, whatever, I have to stand upon your good God. And your love endures forever. I'm not going to budge from that. Because if the enemy can shift your heart to doubt his goodness, you are in dangerous territory. Very dangerous. He is good. Oh, he's good. And how much more will he give us all good things? That is his heart for his children. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it not God who justifies? Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding for us. Unbelievable. Right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Paul goes on to say, For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep being led to slaughter. He's speaking about his apostolic calling, laying his life down that others might come into the loving knowledge of him. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, listen to this, folks. This is the heart of the Spirit awakening the life of God inside the soul. I am sure neither death nor life shall separate us, nor angels or nor rulers. The spiritual realm, all of darkness cannot separate us from the love of God. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing. Nothing, no matter how bad it gets, can separate you from His love. All right, in conclusion, Derek, y'all can come on up. Being Pentecost Sunday, I want to end with Pentecost. And uh, it takes to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And if you know the story, I'd encourage you to go back and read it, especially today, is you have a bunch of hillbilly fishermen that Jesus had follow Him. And they were fishermen. They never preached, you know, in their life. They were just kind of hillbillies. And Jesus did a work on them. And he said, wait. I'm going to the Father. It's better that I go. But you wait, church. Don't go out and do anything. You wait. And I'm going to pour out the promise of the Father. Spirit of God is going to start my church. And is going to come and do what the whole new covenant, everything was prophesied before years and all the way back to the book of Genesis of God's great plan, right? Overarching, glorious plan. And uh, if you remember what was happening, it was Pentecost Sunday. All of the Jews from around the world were in there worshiping and, and the festival was going in the interim. The 120 were in praying. Ten days they were there praying, not knowing what was going to happen. But on that tenth day, on Pentecost, boom, heaven opened up. 
The Spirit of God came down and set a fire on everybody's head. Everybody. Everybody that was in there. The fire hit them. And they start prophesying unto the Lord. giving rejoicing unto the Lord. Um, and, uh, and it causes, kind of blew out into the whole, right into the whole town. And, and it causes great commotion, right? And Peter stands up, right, to address the issue. Uh, the leader of the twelve gives his first sermon, right, um, that was amazing. And he ends this way. And he says this, let me just step back to verse 37. Now when they heard this, Peter explained to them, this is what God promised by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament of what would happen. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. God will pour out His Spirit on His people. And so when they heard this whole sermon, it says, verse 37, when they heard all this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And folks, I just throw this out on Pentecost Sunday. Is um, I think the church needs to respond to this. Even if we thought we had in the past in some ways, on two counts. One is, have we responded to the gospel that way? With a brokenness and repentance. God, I need you. And secondly, through baptism. Water baptism doesn't save anybody. Um, but it is the first step of obedience. Jesus says, out of obedience, go do this. A public profession, because I can't keep it in. I've got to do this beautiful image of being dead, my old self coming out alive, and proclaiming right to others, I am His. I've made a decision. Baptism does not save anyone. But let me just say this very clearly. If I withhold baptism in my life, I do quench the Spirit of God in my life. The next piece. The pouring out of the Spirit of God. And we as God's people need to get all this right and honor our Lord with great expectation that He's going to continue to pour out the glory of His Spirit. So Father, thank You for this morning. And Lord, I just pray this Pentecost Sunday that we'd respond to Your amazing promises. Lord, look what You've done for us. Look what You're doing, what You're going to do. And Lord, for each of us just to respond very personally, how have I been responding? Have I responded to you appropriately? And Lord, let baptism not any longer be a barrier to anyone. This is to be one of the main celebrations of the church. New life, transformed life. Lord, prepare our hearts as we come to your table this morning to partake. And remember, Lord, the most profound thing in all of history, what you did for us, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.